Welcome to When God Breaks Through, a podcast designed to look at the messy moments in motherhood and show how the gospel applies in practical ways, giving us hope and grace as we interact with our own kids. You'll hear crazy stories and life lessons from my mothering of eight kids. But more importantly, you'll hear the hope Jesus offers us for peace and not anxiety, for grace both for ourselves and to extend to our kids, and wisdom to point them to Him. I'm your host, Bethany Kimsey. Welcome to my kitchen table. We're going to talk, not just this week, but next week as well, about this next question that I get asked a ton, which is, what do you do, Bethany, about sibling rivalry? How do you handle fights and squabbles and skirmishes in your home and not lose your mind? And I've heard a lot from people who observe us close up that they've asked us, Really, I, I feel like your kids don't fight a whole lot. So how does that work in your home? Now, first of all, I just want to set this table correctly. If you were sitting across from me, I would look you straight in the eye and I would tell you that we could bring any one of my children to this table and they would absolutely confess that they fight and squabble and get ill-tempered with another sibling frequently, and that their relationships are not easy, and that there is a lot of rubbing that goes on in relationships. But what I really want you to understand is that we don't have to be surprised by that, and we do not have to be discouraged by it either. So this week, we're really going to look at our mindset. How do we In the moment when this child is running at us so upset or screaming because so-and-so has done this and wronged them in this way, or you can just hear it, like it has just erupted, or the other one that we're going to deal with is the quieter one that is almost an undercurrent of rivalry. And like, you know, your kids are at war, but it's not outward. So how do we Look at that, and how do we have our own heart like geared up and ready to go in the moments? We're going to talk about that this week. And then next week, we're going to actually break it down into some practical talking points. What are the conversations we are going to have? What do they sound like to have these conversations? What are our goals? What are good questions to ask? That kind of a thing. Like, how do we practically do this? So this week, we're going to talk about our heart, about understanding what does God think about our kids and their relationship with each other? And then what does he want us to do as one of the primary people holding up the gospel in our home? It's you and me. And every day, all day, we're the ones on the front line, aren't we, Mama? And we are kind of standing there in the middle of the bedlam of it all. And we are supposed to be pointing to Jesus. And yet, I don't, and again, I want to just confess my own sin. Most days, 
I struggle to point to Jesus. What I want to do is I kind of want to scream and yell and fuss and, you know, stomp around myself, complaining. All you kids do is fight and fuss. I can't take any more. All of that. I am as guilty of that as anyone. But what we need to know and what God wants us to know is what does it say in his word about this? And how do we hold the gospel high in these moments so that our kids see Jesus and they see his grace and they experience his love and that the Holy Spirit has room in our homes to call their hearts to conviction over what they're doing, which is something you and I cannot do. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. And the first point I want us to understand about this is that our God is a relationship-oriented God. The very essence of the gospel is his offer of relationship through Jesus Christ's death for our sins. He calls us into relationship with him. And so, therefore, the way we love one another, he says, is what is the display of the gospel to the world. 1 John 4.19 says, we love because he first loved us. Romans 12.10 says, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. So we are given an imperative from God to speak consistently and clearly on the topic of loving each other well. But we live in a culture that says that sibling rivalry and squabbles are normal, that they're fine. All kids do it. You know, I mean, what does it matter? You know, I grew up fighting with my brothers and sisters and I came out just fine. I mean, I have heard that more than once. And I've probably been guilty of thinking it because I did squabble and fight with my sister a lot. She would testify that I was mean as a, as a little girl. But what we want to help impart to our kids is the value God places on relationship. So we teach our children that God is sovereign, that he is in control of all that is, which includes their lives. And so therefore, his sovereignty has determined the family into which they have been born and has determined the relationships that they need to navigate and learn to navigate. So your children were placed by God inside your home to have relationships with each other now, and for the rest of their lives. And as parents, we seek to teach that this creation of family is a part of God's plan. But there is a part of it that is designed to make them aware of their sin and therefore their need for Jesus. And so for you and for me, as we are navigating a big fight in the middle of our living room, stopping for a moment and going, this is the space 
where I can help my children see their need for Jesus. They were not kind. And instead of berating the unkindness or fussing at the cruelty or whatever may have happened and being totally, because I am very guilty of being um, disgusted. That's probably the best word that I will feel often just disgusted that somebody could be so mean to someone else. But when I step that one step back and remind myself, you know, God put these children with their very different temperaments and their very different personalities. He put them sovereignly inside this home, rubbing up against each other for their sin areas to be revealed so that they could see, my goodness, I need Jesus. I'm mean. I am cruel. I am unkind. I can be quick to an angry temper. I can be quick to physically lash out. What, whatever the issue is, I can be quick to ignore and shut somebody else out of my world. All these ways that our kids interact sinfully are spaces that we can have the conversation about their need for Jesus. So when we understand that God has created this family unit for this purpose, then we can begin to embrace the treasure of it. You see, the treasure is no one else will know your kids the way their own siblings and you know them until the day they get married and then their spouse knows them that way, right? Because you, for you and for me, I think we can very quickly make it clear that even our closest friends, we can hide some of the ugly from that our spouse has seen on display. And the same is true inside of the family dynamic. You are as raw and open and vulnerable inside of the family dynamic as anywhere else in this world. So no one sees selfishness or laziness or pride or disobedience the way your family does. And that kind of an intimacy does result in pride or disgust or resentment or, or, it can lead to the beautiful picture of God's unconditional love and grace because we don't extend our love and grace. We extend God's love and grace into our children's lives in the moments where they're the most ugly and irredeemable appearing in their sin. In those spaces, when we step towards them with love and grace that comes from Jesus, instead of stepping back or pulling away. And we begin to teach into our other children that same idea that when somebody is walking sinfully, we step towards them in grace. We embrace the idea in the middle of the mess that this is part of God's message of the grace of his gospel coming to our children. And so for me, this is a place where when it is crazy in the middle of a fight, I need to separate everybody 
And then I need to take a few minutes to reset my own mind because truthfully, I will trigger quick when I am experiencing children fighting. I just, I have a short trigger. So that is the first thing is we need to understand this is part of God's plan. And it is our, it is a holy moment. And so we want to be faithful to that holy moment and we want to be um, calm in it and looking at our children in the right light. So sometimes we need to take just a second and allow our kids a moment to breathe and ourselves a moment to breathe and set our hearts right with the Lord. But then how do we walk into those moments with a mindset that says this mess is a space for the message of the gospel. So one of the first things that I want to do is have the mindset that only the transforming power of God's love will teach them to love. So I cannot expect my two-year-old to love his four-year-old sister very well because he has not been transformed by God's love. He doesn't fully even understand it. But I'm going to walk in into that moment looking to have a very basic conversation with him to point him to God's love. But I'm not going to be surprised when it's every single day for a while. And next week we'll talk about some practical ways that we can handle it. But today we're just talking about our mind not getting discouraged and going all my kids do is fight and instead keeping a long-term vision locked in our mind that this mess is a holy moment for God's message. And I get to hold up the gospel today. Now, the second thing is if I just break up the fight and tell my kids to stop yelling or hitting and I stop there. If that's what I do, because that that's easy. Stop hitting. Don't do that. We don't do that. And I stop in that message right there. Then I'm missing the discipleship of my child. If all I do is fuss at the fussing, then I never help my child examine his heart or her heart and see what is really motivating their action underneath. What is the thing that lies under the symptom of sibling rivalry? Because that's the second part of my mindset is I understand that this mess is for the message. And then secondly, what I understand is that this mess, this fight, this throwing shade, the casual, even rude comments hidden behind a, I'm just kidding. All of those spaces that are unkind and cruel, they are simply a symptom of a heart. And so, yes, I'm going to address the symptom. But I am going to walk with this child down to the root. So sometimes the root of difficult negative interactions with our between our kids is insecurity. And this looks like derogatory statements, being impatient, um, 
insulting, hiding behind just kiddings, maybe just a snippy tone of voice, being short-tempered, boasting, prideful, negatively comparing each other. So it's like when a child goes, oh, I never would do that. You know, um, these things are rooting down in insecurity. They're rooting down in a desperate need to set for that. That child has this desperate need to set themselves as worthy and as better than as proof of their worthiness. I am not surprised by that. And I hope to encourage you today. Do not be surprised when you see this symptom flare up. Look down inside of that heart. Look down into that root and identify and go, wow, my child is insecure. Because the truth is your child's identity will always be insecure until it is secured in Jesus's unconditional love for them. So we cannot be surprised. It is, it is there until they understand in fullness the gospel offered to them. There are going to be the seeds, the undercurrents of insecurity, of feeling worthless, of not sure they're as good as they wish they were. They may not be as lovable as they want to be. All these lies that they believe are because they need to be rooted and secured in Jesus's unconditional love for them. And they are not. Even if they're saved. I think if you and I were to confess, we struggle with our identity because we don't fully understand the gospel. And these are the moments that you and I have a mindset. We see it in play in our home. We're not surprised by it. It is a moment for us to engage with our children. We set our minds right. We have to calm down and not be triggered. And then we identify what lies beneath. And that's where we begin to walk the truth of the gospel through the lies that are holding them down in their heart. Our hope is Jesus. So when we see behavior, we want to address it, not because we want to fix bad behavior and we're embarrassed that our kids are squabbling at a table in a restaurant. We want to fix the behavior, not because we can fix it, but we want to have a conversation with them that points to the greatest fixer of hearts, and that is Jesus. And so we lovingly, with great understanding and grace, begin to walk them into an understanding of what the gospel offers them in this moment. So lastly today, the last part of my mindset when I'm walking with my kids in sibling rivalry is I'm actually looking for these moments. I'm determined to find them. Oh my goodness, I want to see my kids in a moment of treating somebody else poorly, not because I want to bust them, not because I want to harass them and harangue them with lectures, not because I want any of that. But I am looking for these moments because I know they are God-determined, grace-illuminating opportunities 
for my children to see a glimpse of Jesus's love for them. And so I'm willing to wade into the muck and the mire of whatever fight may be happening. And I'm willing to lead my children to the grace freely offered them at the cross. So, in closing today, you and I are grace-filled warriors, and we stand at the ready holding up the gospel in our homes, and it is hard. I get it. I'm in it. Oh my goodness, let me just tell you a story from this last week. My two boys that I have are blossoming into their preteen years, and we have a lot of just uh, one-upmanship and just male behavior. And it's normal, right? Everybody tells you this is normal. Boys fight, squabble, fuss, and they argue over a football game they're playing in the front yard. And yet those moments are so important for the message of the gospel to go forward. And so I know, and I'm listening for those places where my boys are struggling with one another. And truthfully, they really have a beautiful relationship, but they are very different and their hearts are different and their walks with Jesus are different. And so they learn and they take in information differently. And so therefore it comes out differently. And we have been really walking these last few months through these halls of the gospel as it applies to relationship. Because the gospel changes your heart and the way you love others. And you and I are the ones who hold up this hope. And I am walking right with you. And I want to encourage you today. It is holy, hard work. And you can do it because Jesus is the one who promises to equip you. So I hope you'll join me next week where we are going to be talking about how do we practically, though, have a conversation about this? I'm sure some of you are like, that's great, Bethany. I'm so glad. I'm sure I can have that thought process. And yet when I start to talk to my kids and they start being, you know, whatever, disrespectful or rude, maybe your kids are not that way. Mine, mine can be (laughs) resentful that I'm trying to correct them all those things. What do I do in that moment? So I'm going to give you some practical tips that I have seen that work really well to help kind of unlock that that reluctant heart that doesn't want to talk. So I look forward to talking to you next week. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When God Breaks Through. If you're wanting to connect with me, and with other moms walking in the same messy moments, head over to bethanykimsey.com. That's where you'll also find the show notes with any links, as well as more resources you can grab to help you see that when God breaks through, when we see Jesus at work, the fuzzy intersection of real-life mothering and the gospel becomes very clearly defined. We can walk with confidence and purpose. Have a grace-filled day.